You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Thursday afternoon. Let's turn to our first topic and guest of today. In the next 10 minutes or so, we'll be talking about migrant domestic workers and also their mental health with Dr. Eslyn Taragina, who's a chartered psychologist and a psychotherapist with Mind Balance. Welcome back on the program, Eslyn. It's great to speak to you again. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you holding up, Noreen? <laughs> Not too bad. It's great to, to finally see you. Um, I should also mention uh, for our listeners, uh, feel free to join us on our Facebook page as well, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Eslin there as well. Um, and also, I'd like to mention that this discussion is really mainly inspired by a chapter called Filipina Migrant Domestic Workers in Asia, Mental Health and Resilience, which is in the psychology in Southeast Asia, social, cultural, clinical and health perspectives and Eslin is the author of this chapter. Um, so first of all, what sparked your interest uh, to look at the demographic of foreign uh, domestic migrant workers? Um, well, I mean it's a topic that's wide, widely uh, under-researched um, and we do struggle to, to find uh, ways of when, when you're in the mental health industry and you're, you're wanting to support people, we do struggle to find um, research that guides our practice. And, and there's always a big gap um, between, you know, our practice and the research with many, many uh, different groups of the population. And uh, foreign domestic workers um, are one of those populations that we'd like to help, we'd like to support in terms of mental health. But with the lack of research, it can be um, difficult to find out what, what uh, is really effective, what can help and how can we build resilience when it's needed. Absolutely. And, and your chapter is full of uh, research. You, you quote a lot of different uh, academics uh, in this area. So what did your research sort of uh, tell you about this group? So, I mean, the book chapter is essentially a uh, review on the different research available. Um, we learn a lot of different things uh, in particular, and I think this is something that I find really important to highlight. Um, and I also found really interesting reading the different types of re research on it is that we all have the tendency, and I say this very loosely, most of us have the tendency to have formed some sort of an opinion on foreign migrant domestic workers. Now, quite often back in the Philippines, um, they're kind of seen as heroes, right? They're bringing money into the economy, they're looking after their families, um, and, as, and and really uh, helping the country as a whole as well. Um, whereas some in the places that employ foreign domestic workers, um, sometimes we get this uh, this narrative of, of victim victimizing, um, of them being victims of the economy and um, having quite a tough uh, a tough time in life um, and a tough time with employment. And certainly, I mean, Hong Kong as well. Of course, there are certain restrictions, and it can be very very restrictive in terms of what um, foreign migrant domestic workers are allowed to do here. So we do tend to get into that kind of um, empathy and, and you know, maybe there's suffering and there's so many limitations. And again, we are then the ones that are um, making that judgment. So, you know, there's a conflict there in the Philippines. They're maybe hailed as heroes here. We're seeing them as victims of circumstance. And actually, um, both of those things um, are, are quite inappropriate in a way because what we're taking away from foreign um, migrant domestic workers is their own narrative because it's their right to write their own narrative um and and see themselves as and present themselves as how they want to be seen and i feel quite often one of the big things that that is a pressure on mental health beside all the other stresses that foreign domestic uh, migrant workers deal with is the way that other people want to put a narrative around who they are what they do and um whether they're heroes or victims in their circumstance 
Yeah, um, just uh, some statistics for our listeners. As of 2019, there are around 390,000 domestic workers in Hong Kong. This is according to Pathfinders, which is a, a local NGO that works with a lot of migrant workers in crisis situations, especially around pregnancy. And this number is also expected to rise to 600,000 uh, by 2047. And as of September 2019, the minimum wage for domestic uh, helpers, their salary is 4600 $130 per month. Um, and also, according to the law, uh, they also need to live in the place of their employment, which is essentially their employer's house. Um, with all that in mind, what were some of the major sort of stresses you found in this group? Um, I mean, we're looking at migration stresses, we're looking at vocational stresses, uh, we're looking at interpersonal stresses. Um, in, a, in a migration sense, anyone who's ever moved country, uh, at the best of times, there's a lot of stresses um, and uh, a lot of, you know, different things that go wrong or a new environment, a new culture. Now, add on to that, um, then, you know, becoming... Um, sort of victims of discrimination um, and also some internalized racism, some internalized discrimination seems to be what the research shows is what uh, many foreign uh, domestic workers end up dealing with. Um, now, in terms of vocational stresses, I think, uh, especially living in the place of employment um, and also being separated from families, um, is these are quite big stresses. Um, and it's interesting because in a way, um, the way that COVID-19 has restricted us to working from home, to only being able to, you know, be in touch with some of our family members, perhaps online, some of our friends online, um, is actually what has been the reality for many foreign domestic exactly. workers yeah. always, right? Um, and so it's interesting how now that's become more, you know, um, or it has we've become more aware of, of that for ourselves, how, how much strain that does put on our mental health. And... Um, Many foreign domestic workers leave their families behind. They actually, uh, you know, fight quite hard to even get over here or to go, go overseas um, and find positions there. So, um, yeah, those are some stresses. Then obviously the distance to the families um, is a big stressor and things like that. And, and as I'm talking, I'm also very aware that, as I said earlier, um, you know, even as a researcher, even as someone who was reviewing the research, we all come with our own um, biases around um, what may or may not be going on for foreign domestic workers. Um, so I'll stick to what the research shows and, and also really once more want to highlight how their narrative is their narrative. And, um, you know, people come from a really wide uh range of backgrounds and for some people leaving the family was really hard for others they may have actually been leaving an abusive situation or living up to family expectations and things like that so it's uh it's a very everyone has sort of a unique story absolutely and you're absolutely right each of them have their own sort of uh narratives you know some actually prefer to work overseas because there's that financial benefit which in which they're able to provide much much more than if they were to find an employment in their home country um and and there's a difference of quality of life uh living overseas as well where um you know back home they may not be able to afford certain things as well one thing i want to pick up on and and that's something that uh, you also mention uh, in in your chapter is the financial burden uh, maybe a financial stressor that 
that some of these migrant workers have beforehand because of the agency training. Many of them leave their home with an existing debt. Um, they they have mm-hmm. to pay a lot of money to, to get trained up in order to work overseas. So they actually come overseas w- with with um, owing money to these agencies already. Um, how might that manifest itself in 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 uh, their mental well-being? Well, the financial aspect is very complicated anyway. Um, I mean, the debt debt is generally um, not great for our mental health because it adds extra stress, it adds extra pressure. Um, but another thing there is the expectation of families often to send money home. Yeah. I mean, the research shows that actually there's a difference between how much money male and female migrant workers end up sending home with females um, sending home more. So um, the women that go to work overseas, um, they tend to send more money home to their families. They're seen as the role of the, the wife, the role of the mother to nurture the family. And therefore that means keeping less for yourself and sending more back to the family, which can be an additional stressor um, for, you know, you know, having to make sacrifices while you're already making a sacrifice, living away from the family in many, many uh, instances. And uh, then having to, on top of that, uh, really give up most of your money as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a huge impact on mental health for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I find is that there's often a lack of sort of integration um, for the domestic workers here in Hong Kong. I think um, once they're in Hong Kong or, or maybe in other places as well, there's a lot of discrimination. Um, there's sort of unfair treatment that, when you think, again, I don't want to change the narrative, but this is maybe, mm. maybe I'm generalizing a, a little bit. Um, but there's also mm. a lot of racial discrimination or some sort of unfair mm. treatment when, when, when you speak to a lot of helpers. Um, how might this also be a affecting uh, their mental well-being to never fully integrate in, in the city that they're living in. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it's not just a bias. It is what research shows, and it's also um, just the, the way the, the restrictions around immigration are. Um, so absolutely, yes. Uh, there's different ways that people handle that kind of integration into a new country or dealing with the stresses of discrimination. Um, people might assimilate or people might find sort of a hybrid system where they keep their own culture and they also integrate some of the culture of the new country, or they might um, just keep their own culture. And the research generally shows that a hybrid um, model is quite important and quite good for your mental health, where you keep some of your own culture, of course, but then also take on some of the country's culture that you've you've gone to live in. Um, Because if you do either extreme, so completely give up your own culture or completely reject the country's culture, neither of those leave you in a good um, mental health state because either you're losing out either way. Um, so that's something we find. We do find there's a lot of, um, and I mean, research shows there's a lot of internalized discrimination. So there was a study that actually, um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was that um, if someone, so it, they had two groups and one of them was primed towards um kind of their, their culture, the, the Philippines in that case, you know, things sort of activating that cultural context for them and the other group was not. And when then asked how much um, money they would charge for their services, the ones who had been pre-primed with their cultural context actually said they would offer their services for up to 25% less than the same group. I mean, matched in every other way except for not primed towards the cultural context. 
that really shows that there is some um, internalized discrimination as well that uh, many migrant workers will be dealing with and that will um, have negative effects on their mental health for sure. Yeah. Um, some of these migrant workers, whether they're from the Philippines or Indonesia, um, they are religious. Um, how might religion um, help uh, w- with some of their mental well-being? Does it offer them sort of um, um, stability in a way that they can always turn to their faith? Um, how might that help? Because I notice a lot of uh, migrant workers here may go to church and and worship yes yeah, so religion i mean religion has um generally shown i did this mixed research but generally it shows a positive effects for people because they do um you know they can rely on on faith but it's not just the faith that is so important um in religion or maybe the sense of there's a higher power or greater meaning um and which can give us a sense of purpose and things like that but also the fact that people can gather and so you know you can get together as a community often religious communities are very strong um and and it also it leads to that social support um, and building resilience that way. Now, that holds true for any kind of, uh, let's call it a mutual interest group, right? Whether it's religion and faith that brings you together or whether it's maybe, you know, wanting to share the, yeah, exactly, sports or wanting to share the culture, um, you know, and it's a, one of the things that we see in sun, on Sundays in um, Hong Kong is a lot of the uh, Filipina domestic workers, Indonesian domestic workers getting together in public. Um, and there's a lot of, been a lot of debate around that, hasn't there, about, oh, you know, the, these, these poor women have nowhere to go, etc. And there's been a back and forth about it with some people just wanting a band and other people wanting you know, spaces offered. And it's often, again, um, that sense of uh, these, these poor ladies are, are victimized. You know, they've got nowhere to go. They can't be at home. They can't be in a restaurant or whatever. But actually, um, research shows and interviews uh, with domestic workers engaging in that in the public gatherings um, shows that it's actually a way of creating a, an own Community, space. Yes. Yeah, and, and also a, a physical space in a country where it's not always quite clear where the physical space is for them, right? Because as you said earlier, sometimes they live in the employer's or they should live in the employer's um, house, and which means that sometimes their own personal private space is limited. Um, whereas these public gatherings, in a way, you know, people are coming out, they're, they're sitting there, they are visible, and they're setting their own space boundaries uh, up to the point where, um, the, there are some undrawn, invisible lines where that people respect. So, you know, you group in the same place and you don't cross over into your neighbor's space. So it's quite um, quite empowering in some, some ways. Absolutely. And and it's true, especially in Hong Kong, where the, the living space is so small sometimes. And many times uh, some foreign domestic workers don't even have their own room or, or quarters uh, to stay in. They're, they're sort of forced to hang out with the employers or in, in the living room, even after hours um, also. Um, one thing I'd like to finally end on is... Um, you know, a lot of these women are like you and I, you know, that they have their job, which, uh, you know, being a helper, but also they're so much more than that. You know, they're mothers, they're aunts, they're daughters, they have hobbies, um, which a lot of the times they don't get to pursue here in Hong Kong. Mm. How might that also um, impact? And I'm not sure why they may not have, maybe they don't have time or maybe they're so tired after a long working day that oftentimes they don't have time to pursue their other interests. Um, how important is it for us to encourage uh, the domestic workers in our lives to, to keep um, pursuing their own hobbies and interests? Absolutely, and I think you're right. I think um, one thing we shouldn't forget is that, of course, um, 
because of the restrictions and because of the strict employment contracts and things like that, um, often it does depend on the employer as to how much time off um, a domestic worker gets and how much space they have and how much ability they have to go in and engage with, um, you know, things that are important to them and, and their own space. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Of course, I mean, it goes without saying it's always important to encourage engagement in things that, that are important to us, that are significant, that are meaningful, that give us a sense of purpose. Um, research does find that um, actually engaging with um, things that give us a sense of purpose and then also using the work that is done as a domestic worker so for domestic workers that use this um overseas experience as sort of a means to an end right there's a goal so it's either to secure a better future um to start building a business back home um and often with the money um earned overseas um in a way there's also a status elevation back home um for some domestic workers um which it can also be very empowering and good for, for the mental health and the sense of okay i'm really creating a better future uh, either for myself my family uh, my, my children whatever it might be and many domestic workers do go on to, to get property and and build businesses and things like that so research does show if you've got that end goal in mind then you're more resilient in dealing with the restrictions and the challenges and potentially discrimination things like that that are placed on you in the here and now um, which is universal to all of us as well, yeah. Absolutely, and I do recommend all our listeners uh, to read uh, Eslin's chapter. It's it's quite meaty. I'll hold it up for the Facebook live. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll put a link onto our Facebook page as well. Meanwhile, Eslin, um, can you remind our listeners once again how we can get in touch with you and have you got a website and a Facebook page uh, should our listeners want to find you? Sure, uh, absolutely. So um, I, I tend to, in therapy, I tend to specialize in trauma, um, grief, depression, anxiety, and then also attachment issues and uh, personality disorders. So if uh, any of that is something that you guys can connect with, please do get in touch. Um, my website is mind-balance.org. Uh, that's .org. Um, and the same Facebook page is mindbalancehk. Excellent. Well, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time uh, this week, Eslin, and I look Pleasure forward enough. to um, more chat with you again in about a month's time. Thank you very much indeed for your time. It's great to see you, Noreen. Great thank you. you. Bye, Bye for now.